0: Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. We have so much stuff to go through in this episode. Uh, Google has put on a webmaster conference. There's been other conferences. There's been news about BERT. Uh, we're going to talk about Google acquiring Fitbit, and I have some thoughts on what that could mean for health sites. I think that could uh, have a very large impact. Um, so I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, November 6th of 2019, and I'm going to get right to it because, like I said, we've got so much that has happened in the world of search this week, and hopefully this information will help you to stay on top of what Google's doing and even what Bing is doing. We have good information about Bing in this episode as well. Let's start with algorithm updates. We do think there was probably some type of a tweak to quality. Um, who knows, maybe it's connected to BERT, uh, but something happened on November 3rd of 2019. We have a bunch of clients that, uh, for the most part, are seeing increases uh, on that date. And uh, it's hard to say exactly what's happening. Um, It's across a number of different sites. Uh, But an interesting thing that we noted is that most of the sites that saw improvements on November 3rd were sites that were actually hit uh, in June 3rd. Uh, June was the update where we really feel that that was strongly about scientific consensus and Google not wanting to rank sites that potentially could be giving people dangerous information. Um, And many of these sites uh, saw a hit June 3rd, they saw a slight increase with the September 24th core update, and then uh, a little bit more of an increase with the November 3rd update. Um, we don't think that there's enough uh, enough changes for us to call this a significant update, um, and we didn't see a whole lot of sites that saw significant drops, so we may change our minds on that um, you know, as we get more data. If you were strongly affected on November 3rd, I'd love for you to reach out to me on Twitter, um, Marie underscore Haynes and tell me what you're seeing. At this point, though, we'll call this a, a minor quality tweak. Uh, let's talk a bit more about Bert. So last week we kind of went over um, the basics on Bert, and I'm actually going to repeat some of these. Uh, last week we published information in our paid version of our newsletter talking about um, everything you need to know about Bert. We've got more information in the free version this week um, for for people because Bert is just a, a really important thing for us to understand in terms of how Google is getting better at learning what it is we're asking in Google. So BERT uh, apparently affects one in 10 queries. And the whole idea is that Google is just getting better at understanding what it is that we're asking. There was an example that Google gave of um, previously, if you did a search for parking on a hill with no curb, you would actually get results that tell you how to park on a hill with a curb Um, because Google could not, uh, they put too much emphasis on the word curb and not enough emphasis on no. Um, And now with BERT, BERT's able to look at that entire sentence as opposed to just the words, uh, you know, before and after each other. And they're able to understand, wait a second, we need results that talk about parking with no curb. Um, And so Google, again, the The whole idea of BERT is just to make it so that Google is much, much better able to understand queries. Um, Again, these queries are affecting or these changes are affecting only English queries. Although if uh, you do have a website that's in a language where you actually have featured snippets, then this can affect the featured snippets as well. It is not currently being used for ads. Um, This is something new that uh, came about uh, this week. Apparently, BERT, uh, so it's a neural network, which, you know, I don't, Uh, claim to understand exactly how neural networks work, Um, but they need to be trained. And so to train a neural network, you need uh, a very large body of text. And formerly what used to happen was that uh, humans would go through every line of text and actually mark things out like, oh, here's the noun of the sentence, here's the object, here's the, um, you know, and they would actually map the whole sentence out so that machines could learn from this. And apparently this was not done. There was No human mapping, but rather they took the entire English text of Wikipedia and trained BERT on it to be able to understand uh, the text. That's really interesting. One of the things that we don't know yet uh, is whether BERT is just being used to understand queries by Google. Or whether they're actually using Bert to understand the words on our page, and I've been saying for a while now that I really feel like Google is going to get better at determining. Hey, you know, maybe most of this site talks on topics that uh, we don't really trust, or we don't really want to rank because of this. Um, but this one article is really, really good, and it answers people's queries. And uh, you know, this one particular article is one that we can trust. I think they can use BERT to understand things like that, or even sections of articles. Uh, There was one tweet that we've included in newsletter where somebody said they had spoken with somebody from Google, and uh, this person confirmed that, yes, it's true that Google uses BERT to understand the context on our pages, not just our queries. But we don't have anything official from Google on that just yet, so uh, this is all kind of theory at this point. Um, and, you know, the the hot topic that just keeps coming up is, can we optimize for BERT? I have seen more tweets and posts on people complaining about uh, people writing about how to optimize for BERT than people actually writing about optimizing for BERT. Um, and the answer is always, you know, there's no specific way to optimize for this rather than to just write your content in ways that humans would understand. And I do think that this is relevant because I think a lot of us are used to writing content for search engines. Um, I can't think of a specific example right now, but um, some of it could talk about how we repeat words a lot, uh, you know, and I mean, I don't think too many of you who are listening to this are as obvious as, you know, some of the SEO copy we used to see many years ago uh, would say, you know, if you are looking for a plumber in Toronto, our plumbing in Toronto is the best Toronto plumbing services that you can get. Um, You know, we're not writing in that way. But I do think some of us do write product pages in ways that we're trying to write it for Google to like it as opposed to users liking it. Uh, And we're seeing this more and more that Google seems to be really figuring out how to reward content that is more helpful to users Uh, something we want to eventually get into once we've had time to build it out um, if we do go down this road is offering people user testing uh, because this is very very important where we actually want to see you know as a real human reads our content do they trust it Uh, would they actually want to buy from our website as opposed to our competitors because sometimes We think that our website is better because, oh, it's better designed or it answers more questions than uh, the other website does. But there might be little things that make users not trust it. And so um, if you're able to do any user testing for your website, I would highly recommend this. Uh, There was a great article written on BERT by Dawn Anderson. Uh, If you don't know Dawn, she is a brilliant, brilliant person and really um, goes deep into the academics of what Google is doing or what um, the history of how BERT came To be. Uh, This article is a fascinating read, although it's a very, very long read. Uh, It talks about the structure of sentences and the um, things that cause problems for search engines that are trying to understand sentences. Well, I do recommend you read that. um, You know, there's not a whole lot in that part of the article that specifically tells us what to do as SEOs. Um, She did mention some things at the end, though that uh, that are specific to SEO work. So one is that it's important to know that BERT is not uh, an algorithm update like Penguin or Panda is. Um, Penguin or Panda, I think of them as filters that are sort of laying on top of the algorithm and, uh, and, and at the same time sort of a part of the algorithm. Um, it's completely different than that. Uh, and it's something that will probably impact, you know, the majority of what Google does. That's my opinion, not something that Don has said. Um, so, Don said, BERT does not judge web pages either positively or negatively, um, but rather it improves the understanding of human language for Google search. It's going to be huge for conversational search and also for Google Assistant. And uh, I talked about this last week where, um, you know, if we ask a question of our Google Home right now, a lot of the time it just doesn't get it. You know, it either says, oh, I don't have an answer for that, or it provides me with an answer that really wasn't relevant to the query. This is going to get better and better, which means that more people will be using voice search. And uh, as a result, we really should focus on things like making sure we win featured snippets. If you win a featured snippet, then you're more likely to have that appear as a voice search when somebody's searching for um, your content. Um, And Dawn theorized that BERT may also impact what we see in people also ask boxes, because Google will get better at tying the connections and going, oh, when people ask about this topic, they often also want information on this topic. um, And then they can, uh, you know, they can be even more accurate with these people also ask boxes. Um, And BERT also could be important for entity determination. We've talked a lot about this in the past where uh, we really want to make it clear um, what our entities are. So, you know, if Google doesn't understand what your business is or who's responsible for your business or that your authors are the same authoritative authors that are recognized as giants in their industry, these are all entities that Google needs to determine. And um, now, can we optimize for that? You know, at this point, probably not. Um, I think other than just making sure this content is on our websites. There was something that um, a Google employee, I think it was John Mueller, uh, I can't remember, I remember recently talking about this, um, where, uh, no, no, it was Gary Eish at PubCon um, in Vegas just recently where he said somebody asked him whether it's important to have good information on your about pages and uh, what Gary said was that this information can be used for knowledge graphs Um, Google wants to grab this info and so we always recommend uh, just being as braggy as possible without being annoying um, on your about pages you want to tell people this is why our business is awesome this is how many years we've been in business these are the awards that we've won and our authors are featured in these authoritative places you really really want to be building. building up trust for users, and I think that BERT will make it even better or easier for Google to understand um, what people are saying about your business, about your entities, and that's an important thing. Um, Also important to know that Danny Sullivan from Google has said that there's not a BERT score. Um, You know, I don't know where this came from and whether it's actually been theorized by people, but, uh, but no, it's not like Google has a score for your site that says, oh, you're a high BERT score and so um, you know you must uh, have a good site There's, there's nothing like that Okay, let's move on to some non-BERT news. Uh, Google has, uh, we talked about this, I feel like it was quite some time ago, a WordPress plugin called SiteKit. And now it's available for everybody. And so what you can do, I haven't used it personally, but what you can do is plug it into WordPress, and you'll actually see in your WordPress dashboard, your um, search console data, uh, and I believe analytics as well. So that's an interesting thing. It would be fun to play with. And if you have a WordPress site, it might be something cool to uh, to play around with. In Search Console, Google now has a new speed report. Um, And it feels like, you know, Google keeps coming out with these new things for speed and every one of them is either super complicated or doesn't work. Um, So, so far, uh, the idea is that you can go into Search Console and um, you get this report that tells you how many of your pages are fast, moderate, or slow. One of the problems, though, is that I've yet to see a site that has a fast page. We have a client who has a very, very light site. Um, it's almost all completely just uh, raw HTML. There's no JavaScript. Uh, there's no images. There's uh, It's a very, very basic site. And PageSpeed Insights um, actually gives it a score of 99. Uh, I believe at one point they had 100, and we asked them to put their analytics back on, and so uh, it went to, to 99. But um, The point is, this is one of the fastest sites I've ever seen and even they just get a moderate score. Uh, And so something's not quite right here and I've seen others talking about this as well. Regardless, it's cool that we have this data and I think that Google will be working on it and it'll be more accurate um, in coming weeks. I do remember that I saw somewhere that Google is not going to give us an API for this data, uh, but still, it's something that we can report on and hopefully it'll get more accurate so we can use it even more. I thought this was extremely interesting. Um, most of you have probably heard that Google acquired Fitbit uh, just this week. It was a massive deal. Uh, I, I think it was like $2.1 billion or something like that. It was a very, very large deal. Now, the first thing I thought of is, oh my goodness, the data that Google is going to have. So I don't know if you've worn a Fitbit. I did wear one for years. I keep wanting to, to get it out again, but uh, I haven't. Um, But one of the things that a lot of Fitbits do is they record uh, other information like your heart rate. Um, And, you know, I've heard of people saying, hey, my Fitbit started telling... There's a really cool story, actually. Uh, Some guy wrote to Fitbit a while back and said, look your Fitbit is, uh, the Fitbit is telling my wife that she might be pregnant. <laughs> um, and it was one of these, like her heart rate was different for some reason. And um, and uh, and Fitbit put some data together and said, you know, one of the possibilities is you're pregnant. Um, and then, uh, you know, Fitbit, this was in a help forum, wrote back and was like, well, you know, it's one of the possibilities, but we, we're we not going to be 100% accurate. And then the guy wrote back and said, oh, by the way, it turns out she actually is pregnant. Um, and so, you you can gather a lot of information personally by using these um, machines that track your uh, your health data, and now Google is going to have this information. So I think this could be massive for the health industry. I think Google could use machine learning to um, make statistical connections on things that we don't know. Like for example, let's say. Um, Another thing that Fitbit does, some of the models of Fitbit, is measure uh, your sleep patterns and whether you're able to get into a deep sleep and how much time you spend in REM sleep and, and things like that. Well, let's say that um, uh, the keto diet, when I did the keto diet, one of the things that happened to me was I had a heck of a time sleeping when I was in the early stages, because when you get into ketosis, um, it, it, it's like this extra fuel, and I felt like I'd had a bunch of coffee just before I... I, I was trying to sleep now there is some stuff written on that on the internet because I certainly did searches on it um, it's mostly all anecdotal as uh, as far as I recall so Google could probably make these connections they can see that at three in the morning I'm searching for why can't I sleep um, and they also know that I've done all these searches for uh, actually I wouldn't even have to search for why can't I sleep because Google's got the data from Fitbit but maybe I've been doing searches for keto Diet or for keto recipes. Um, You know, I think Google could very clearly determine this individual is very interested in the keto diet. And she also has trouble sleeping at this point in time. Well, I don't think it would be too much of a stretch for an algorithm to determine that there's a connection there. And then Google could start discovering that, um, okay, when people are on a keto diet, it can affect your sleep. But think of how deeply that could go. Um, Maybe I'm searching for other things. And, you know, now if I'm on the keto diet, and I'm also searching for something completely unrelated, like, I don't know, you know, why does my fingernail have this weird thing on it, or you know something like that. It doesn't, but just if I was searching for that, um, but that data would be, uh, you know, it would be kind of long tail. It would be like very few people would be searching for it. So I do think Google could make connections in health conditions um, that would be amazing, and this could advance uh, medicine quite a bit. And there's other things Google's been doing recently uh, in the field of medicine that I think, you know, one day we're going to look back at this time and go like, hey, when I was a young person, uh, we had to go see a doctor to get diagnosed, um, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm giving Google too much credit. But what does this mean for health sites? Uh, I think this is a serious issue. Because if Google can gather all this data, and after who knows, maybe it'll take 10 years, maybe it'll be much quicker. Um, it, it might be, that we don't need to search for medical information online because Google's just got all the data. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they will connect that with uh, good um, physicians and, and important people in the health fields. Uh, but I think we have to start thinking about this, that if you run a health site, there's a possibility that in the years to come, um, you know, your information could just be provided by Google uh, directly in the SERPs and people might not need to go to your website, which is kind of a scary thing. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on this. I know we have a lot of listeners to this podcast that are in the health space, um, and I don't mean to say this to scare you, uh, but I think we have to pay attention to it. Um, I think that, uh, gosh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, because Google still wants to make um, ad revenue from. I know weight loss, uh, and health articles, uh, usually provide ads that are very, very profitable for Google. Um, so who knows what's going to happen through all this, but it's a very, very interesting time. Let's talk a little bit about the Google Webmaster Conference. They did a conference in, um, uh, Mountain View at the Googleplex, that seemed pretty, pretty cool. Um, there is a post, uh, written by Jackie Chu, who, uh, has summarized everything that was talked at this conference, so we would recommend that you read that, uh, Um, Some of the things that were uh, good points to point out here, Um, they talked about what is web deduplication? It's the process of identifying and grouping similar web pages and sharing a representative canonical that users get fed. The whole process of how Google decides what is a duplicate is really, really interesting. Um, So if you're looking for more information, I think there's more in Jackie's post on this. Um, If your site is temporarily down, you really should try to serve users and search engines uh, 500 error codes as opposed to 200 codes, uh, because otherwise Google might determine your page as being empty, and that can impact your ability to rank. Um, So if you know that your website's down for an extended period of time, then you really should serve uh, some type of an error message, um, an error server code that uh, indicates to search engines that, yeah, the page is down right now um as opposed to it's just a blank page um again from the conference uh businesses that have complete knowledge graphs are seen as twice as reputable by consumers so you should be making sure that you have claimed your knowledge graph there's a lot of businesses out there that uh, have not claimed it um Changing what's in the knowledge graph is tricky. You need to make sure that the information on your about page is accurate. And if there's inaccurate information, you need to figure out where is Google getting that from? Is it from Wikipedia? Is it from some other database that they're using? Uh, because Google doesn't make this information up. Um, and so you really should be doing all you can uh, to, to get as much information about your business as possible out there on the web. Um, let's see i'm gonna move on there's a bit more stuff in newsletter uh, about what was in this conference but otherwise we'll end up with a massively long podcast again and so i'm trying to shorten that up just a, a little bit for you Uh, There was some interesting controversy over how Google parses a robots.txt file. Will Critchlow talked about this at SearchLove in London, and it blew my mind just how um, Google published the code to, they made it open source, the code to their robots.txt parser. And then um, it's working differently, and it's not respecting certain rules, um, the way that the actual production code is. Uh, What was interesting, though, was Gary Eish had quite what I thought was an inflammatory response uh, on Distilled. Now, the Distilled article that Will wrote, actually one of the first lines in the article says, Googlers, if you're reading this, please help us clarify for the industry how Googlebot really interprets robots.txt. And then... Gary Ish tweets here, they could have asked for clarification before publishing, but a feeble attempt to stir controversy was the path they chose. I really don't think that Will was trying to stir controversy. I think he was trying to say, look, we, we really need to understand how Google respects our robots' files. And if you are trying to, uh, for example, disallow just the ads uh, Google bought, you might be surprised that, um, you know, you might be doing it wrong. This is uh, That's a very loose interpretation of what... he was saying and really you need to read his whole article to to get into understanding it but what Gary said was in short the open source parser is the production parser and uh, goes on to very snarkily say if you don't believe that the open source source version is indeed the production parser you can get hired and I'll be more than happy to walk you through the production code and then diff it against the open source one Um, gosh, I don't know why this prompted such an inflammatory response by Gary. Um, I included it just because I think it's important for those of you who are very, um, are having trouble uh, determining which which types of Google bots to, um, uh, to give access to which parts of your site. If something is off with your robots.txt, you should maybe take a look at this. And I would imagine that uh, this discussion will actually prompt Google to make some changes in their... Um, Documentation on what Googlebot actually does, so it's an interesting situation for sure. There is uh, apparently a bug in rich snippets for recipe sites that could be affecting images. I don't know if it's just recipe sites. Uh, there was a tweet by Lisa Bryan from Downshiftology, which is uh, a recipe site, and. Um, what uh, what she's showing is that uh, she cannot, uh, her posts were still ranking fine, and then um, on mobile, everybody else has an image next to the recipe, but she doesn't. And then she uh, actually went to Search Console and resubmitted these pages. The, rest, the images came back and only lasted for a short period of time, I think maybe a couple of days, and now they're gone again. So um, my first thought when I saw this was that if you've lost your rich snippets, including your recipe thumbnails, that could be a sign that Google has deemed your content to be less quality. Um, Google doesn't automatically give you rich snippets uh, even if you've marked them up now I you know I haven't assessed the site and I it's hard to say whether that's the issue but um, important to note though that John Mueller actually asked for some examples and he's going to pass that on to the team there were other people that talked about losing their images for recipe posts as well so if this is happening to you it could be a sign that Google has found some quality issues with your site it could also be a bug on Google side. So if we get more information on that, we'll let you know what's happening. Um, A tip about voice search. Uh, If your site is not HTTPS, then it will be very challenging for you to get voice search snippets. Something important to know and another good reason uh, to switch to HTTPS. Um, Let's see what else we can talk about here. Oh yeah, Bing is apparently going to be handing out more penalties. So uh, I've been doing penalty work since 2012 and I've seen hundreds of Google manual actions. I want to say I've seen two or three Bing manual actions uh, and it's been a while since we've worked with a Bing manual action. Something that's really interesting is that when we did work with those Bing manual actions, you could just email Bing. I don't know if this is still the case now, but you could email Bing and their web spam team would email you back and help you figure out what the problems were on the site. It was very very uh much easier to do than dealing with a google manual action which by the way we're seeing more and more requests for help with manual actions and i think google has stepped up their um, amount of manual actions that they're giving out Uh, but bing announced this week that they're changing their webmaster guidelines and um, they're going to address what they call inorganic site structures and they gave three examples of inorganic site structures One is a private blog network. Uh, So PBNs we know are not good uh, in the eyes of Google and Bing. The thing is, a lot of them can really work. If you do them right, they can help prop up your rankings. I don't recommend it because we've seen loads of penalties uh, for sites that have gotten caught using private blog networks um, to prop up rankings doorways and duplicate content. I think what Bing is talking about here is, you know, you have your main website and then you create all these mini websites just to rank for one specific term, um, and those are being funneled into your main website. Um, Or similarly, if you have websites that are essentially duplicates uh, of each other, where all that's been swapped out is maybe the city name or the state name, and you've got a different website for every single city that you service, uh, those are inorganic, inequality. As according to uh, Bing, and then the third part was subdomain or subfolder leasing. We've talked about this. How um, it's a big deal with coupon sites. The coupon sites can, uh, you know, they can lease. One example was coupons.cnn.com. That subdomain is not owned by cnn.com, but benefits greatly from the uh, the authority that cnn.com has. Um, And so Bing wants to actually hand out manual actions for sites that are. Uh, taking advantage of this type of thing, um, which is really interesting. I I had somebody tweet at me um, this morning saying, you know, well, search engines shouldn't hand out manual actions, they should just figure it all out algorithmically. It's important to note that I don't think Google or Bing wants to hand out any manual actions. When they do it, it's because there's something that you're doing that is currently working. To prop up your rankings but they don't want it to work and i really believe that they look at you know when we have a big wave of manual actions so I'd say probably the most common thing that we're seeing manual actions for right now is for sites that have been overdoing it with article posting, whether it's guest posting, um, syndicated articles, posting them on uh, websites that you know will happily post anybody's uh, guest post or even trading content, um, you know, giving websites content in exchange for a link back. If you're doing that on a large scale, we're seeing more and more penalties for that type of thing. So that tells me that Google's not great at figuring, that out algorithmically, but they're working on it. Um, And I think that because we're seeing a big surge in manual actions, it means that um, Google's got teams that are figuring out how can we make it so we don't have to hand out manual actions for this. And that'll probably come down the road. So uh, I've yet to see one of these new Bing penalties. I think they're probably coming. Uh, If you do get one, I'd love for you to reach out to me on Twitter and uh, tell me what you're seeing there. Um, And I would imagine we'll start to see more uh, of these um, come through our help uh, forum or not our help forum our uh, contact forms soon so if we do i all uh, if it seems to be a big thing I will keep you updated on that um, quick tip if you've been switched to mobile first indexing John Mueller said that uh, you really shouldn't see any change in rankings but some sites will quote see a rise in search when switched over um, and so you really shouldn't see any negatives to be fair, you know, we when we, we analyze so many sites that see traffic drops, and we always look at whether your switch to mobile-first indexing uh, looks like it resulted in a traffic loss, um, and it's rare that we see that. So I think I, I agree with John on this point. Um, somebody asked John Mueller whether uh, you could get in trouble for building too many links in a short period of time. Now, this question has a couple of parts to it because... Um, building too many links is the issue here? Uh, you know, if your website gets a whole bunch of links all of a sudden, and it's in a truly natural way, that can be normal. Um, let's say our business did something that was truly newsworthy, and uh, you know, we had all these crews out here that were news crews that wanted to write about us, and uh, and and you know, we had a big viral spike in uh, in interest. Well, that's going to bring us a ton of links that um, you know, maybe we're not used to getting that many links at one time. It's not like that. St- creates a red flag for the web spam team to look at and go, wait a second, this site normally gets 20 links a month, and now they've got 2,000 this month. Um, That's not what Google does. I'm 100% sure about that. Um, However, uh, so the question here is if you're building too many links. So um, it's a very long answer from John, but and we've written it all out in the newsletter. Uh, Let's see, I'm going to read some of it out because I think it's easier for me to read it than summarize it. This is John saying, if you are building 200 links in two days, it's not so much the number of links you're building in a short period of time. It is really the matter that you're probably building links in a way that would not align with our Webmaster Guidelines. Our algorithms might take action on that or they might ignore those links. On the other hand, our manual actions team might take actions on that and apply a manual action. Um, So it's not so much the number of links and the time you are talking about, it's more the types of links that you are building. Um, And there's more in newsletter as well. So uh, really, uh, again, I don't think the velocity of links you are getting matters, um, but really you should not be building links to your site in a way that you can count. Uh, You know, when I first started in SEO, um, many SEO companies, that was their selling point that they'd say, uh, for this much money each month, we can get you 100 links, or for this much money, we can get you 200 links. We should not be doing SEO in that type of way now because um, good links are ones that you can't guarantee you're going to get a certain number of them for. Um, and speaking of which, uh, there was something in a recent help hangout. I'm a little bit behind on going through help hangouts. So this I think was from a September 27th help hangout. I'm trying to get through some of this every day. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll, uh, see that I tweet out, uh, the most interesting parts, uh, that I found from help hangouts. We include most of those in newsletter as well. Um, which, if any of you are new, mariehaines.com slash newsletter. Uh, so here's something that um, somebody asked whether uh, spammy links can still hurt a site uh, beyond manual actions. Now, I've talked about this so many times. And John said, quote, there are also cases where our algorithms might look at this and say, well, there's so many spammy backlinks here that we just can't ignore them. We have to assume that there's a lot, kind of a lot of malicious intent here. And we have to be even more careful. And in cases like... Like that, we might demote a site slightly in search so it wouldn't rank as visibly. So um, that's important, you know, uh, if you, and when I tweeted this, I had several people that said, oh, so this means negative SEO is going to work, right? I, Google, I've rarely seen a case, and I know there's people who are building up your arguments right now um, in your heads for negative SEO. Uh, I've rarely seen a case of negative SEO that I felt worked um, in terms of building links and especially building spammy backlinks. I do think that negative SEO could potentially alert uh, Google to um, manually review a site. And then if you already had your own um, unnatural links, then you know, you're more likely to get a penalty in that case. Uh, But I don't think that happens very often. Google, um, John has said this in past help hangouts, where uh, Google can look at things like the history of unnatural links pointing to your site. So my opinion is, let's say um, a competitor wanted to negative SEO me, and, uh, you know, created 2000 comment spam links pointing to my site. Well, Google's algorithms can probably determine that, that's not a pattern for us. We don't have a history of building unnatural links to our site. Um, and, you know, so then you could argue, well, maybe somebody's going to continue to do this for months and months and months. The thing is, those comment spam links, they're not links that we would build in order to improve our SEO. Now, what if somebody was building links that would improve our SEO. I know this sounds kind of um, complicated to talk about. I'll see if I can explain it properly here. The types of links that we're seeing manual actions for, for example, are links in articles um, that's just one of the types of links. So let's say you were a competitor and you wanted to try to negative SEO me. Um, and so you started, uh, you know, you have all these relationships with publishers who will publish articles for you and link back to your clients. And so you link to me with one of our top keywords. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter what those are, but you use that. Um, okay, well, let's say it's Google, penalties. Um, you know, and so you're trying to get us to not rank well. I don't even know where we rank for that, but for something like Google Penalty Expert. Then, um, and so let's say you did like a hundred, you published a hundred articles with the um, the anchor text Google Penalty Expert pointing back to our site uh, in an attempt to do negative SEO on us. The thing is, initially that would probably help us, um, you know, and so uh, go ahead, (laughs) go ahead and do it, it would probably help us. Uh, And then I believe Google's algorithms would look at that and go, whoa, there was a sudden spurt of this site trying to rank for Google penalty expert. Um, Is this a pattern that we see? Now, maybe if you take that road, and you keep doing that month after month, and uh, you keep trying other tactics because it's rare that people just do one unnatural link tactic. And you keep doing things that actually improve our rankings that eventually that could get us a manual action. The effect of that manual action would be so that Google doesn't count those links anymore. So at best, you know, you've all you've done is helped our rankings for a period of time. And then Google will remove the effect of that help and. Um, There are cases where we think that manual actions actually result in Google distrusting, uh, you know, the majority of links that point to our site. Um, And so what could happen here is that, um, you know, let's say we had been building our own links through articles in ways that were unnatural, uh, that those could get detected as well and maybe they don't work as well. So perhaps, you know, there's a way that negative SEO um, could work against sites that currently are already building their own unnatural links, but it's a real long shot. And I think you have a higher chance of actually helping your competitors initially than hurting them. So um, I know there are some of you out there that claim that you've done amazing things with negative SEO in ways, I've heard people talk about it in ways that make me want to vomit just because of the uh, lack of ethics of of people trying to do this. Uh, But, you know, it's rare that in my opinion, that that works. Um, So a couple more things here, and my attempt to make a short podcast did not work. (laughs) Hopefully you like these longer ones, because there's so much to talk about every week. Um, Your search console numbers might be off. Uh, Google recently started giving us data that's super up to date, as fresh as just a few hours ago, Uh, but the numbers, so John Mueller said in a help hangout, during the time when that data is fresh, you might see slightly different counts there than you would when it's kind of settled down. In local SEO, I just wanna add one quick thing and that's that uh, if you added a short name to your Google My Business profile, Google is now showing the short name in uh, some mobile searches. So uh, you may want to look at doing that if you haven't done it already. Let's talk about a few Q&A questions, because we got some really good ones. Um, if you want to ask me a question uh, about um, EAT, about backlinks, about any of the topics that we tend to talk a lot on, then just go to newsletter, slash newsletter. Uh, this, I believe, is episode 107. Um, and uh, it doesn't matter, though, any of the more recent newsletters will have a link to where you can ask a question. And we try to uh, cover as many of those as we can in podcast. If you have a very basic seo question then um you can also ask those through our wix seo site uh and you can tweet at us uh tweet at me and i'll get you the right um uh, the right connection there Um, and we would be happy to answer that on that wix site as well so um let's talk about this question here okay Hi, Marie. Thank, thanks for your podcast and all the content you produce. Uh, oh, it's a real game changer for us. That's awesome. I Thank you for saying that. Uh, it always amazes me that, you know, I get to just babble on about SEO and it actually helps people. So, uh, so thank you. My question is about EAT for question and answers in forum websites. We've been hit hard with all the Google updates this year. We have pages related to maternity. We're an application for pregnant women and moms. And then they give an example of um, a particular page that is a forum page on their website. We've added markup to uh, explain that our website has Q&A content but we keep on falling. Do you have any insights, tips, or explanations on this? So I did actually take a look at this page. I can't always do that, um, you know, if, uh, if I get a lot of people that tweet at me, you know, wanting a full site assessment in in the form of a tweet and I can't always do that. But this was really interesting and I think it'll help a lot of people. So the page that I looked at, the one that you uh, gave me a link to was a discussion on people talking about how to quit smoking when you're pregnant and when I looked at this discussion there was some good personal anecdotes in there uh, there were people who saying were saying what they used and um, how challenging it was and 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 things like that but there was a lot of very bad stuff in there as well um, there was uh, I'm trying to remember now there were a number of people who said I smoked through my entire pregnancy and and I had no problems whatsoever. Um, and there were other people that said, oh, no, no, just use an e-cigarette and, uh, and you'll be fine. Um, and, you know, it's not for me to say whether this is true, but it's certainly contrary to scientific consensus. Um, you know, if you ask a, a traditional physician, can I smoke during my pregnancy or could I just use an e-cigarette? Uh, I think they would probably say that's a bad idea. Um, and so Google's, my opinion is most of the core updates that we've had in the last year have dealt with google not wanting to rank pages that are potentially harmful to people and this is a big deal and now i didn't look at any other pages on your website but i would imagine this is a prevalent theme that there are um you know anytime you ask for people's opinion on things you're going to get a discussion of things that you know um, people are going to disagree with and things that could potentially be harmful Um, and so now You might say, well, maybe some of the big names, I know when I was pregnant, most of the forum um, discussions that I saw came from babycenter.com. And so let's say, you know, you could say, well, Baby Center has posts that are ranking like this that, uh, you know, they give some inaccurate advice. The problem is that most likely Baby Center has built up enough brand authority that Google can trust uh, that the majority of the stuff on the site is worth ranking. I think as BERT gets better, uh, Google will be able to pick out which parts of pages or which pages in particular are um, safe To show users, I don't think they're quite there yet. But for now, I would imagine Google has algorithms that look at your site that say, you know, a lot of the pages on this site give information that's potentially dangerous to people. So uh, to fix this is really challenging. I would say you have to go through every single forum post um, and you have to decide which ones are going to be indexed. Or you could decide. Uh, you know, which parts of um, pages, oh gosh, you can't index just parts of pages, Um, but you could somehow find a way to label, um, actually, this is not a bad idea. I'm thinking this up just on the spot here, but you could actually ask your users for, I'm sure you've seen on forums like a thumbs up or a thumbs down, you could ask users, is there potentially dangerous advice in this answer? And if enough people click on that button, Then you have to make a decision, you know, you can do this with a a, a script probably, you have to make a decision um, as to whether or not that page gets indexed. So you could say, look, if enough users have uh, clicked on this answer saying that it's potentially dangerous to people, then let's no index the entire page. Um, Or, I mean, you could try having a little disclaimer, uh, just saying many of our users have marked this answer as potentially harmful, or maybe you don't show that answer. Make it something that doesn't, um, uh, that has to be clicked on in order to be opened, and it's not part of the main content. Um, But I think you need to go through this for almost every one of your pages, and that's going to be a challenge. Um, Another thing uh, that uh, you could consider is, um, like, if, that's a completely gargantuous task that it's not going to to happen for you is looking at um, diversifying and not relying on Google for your traffic. Uh, And so you could look at your analytics and say, well, you know, our traffic, our posts like this do extremely well on Instagram or on um, Facebook or or wherever, uh, and then focus more on targeting um, those platforms. That said, Facebook's doing stuff too to try to protect people from... Um, uh, from uh, seeing dangerous medical advice. Now, Google does talk about, in the quality raters guidelines, they talk about um, uh, how not all pages need to have experts in writing the content. There's actually an example about a forum that talks about liver cancer, and people are giving their personal anecdotes about what it's like to live with liver cancer. Um, The thing is, though, those pages they may rank for people who are specifically searching for personal anecdotes of people who have had liver cancer Um, But it's not going to rank for, you know, uh, against WebMD, Mayo Clinic, Healthline, if they have similar content, in my opinion. Maybe that'll change in the future, but unless people are specifically very, and I find it really hard to surface forum content on Google these days, because I think they're erring on the side of caution in not wanting to show people content that is um, potentially harmful. So um, uh, we have something... I know John Mueller talked about uh, how Google actually in their help forums has a voting system. They have a thumbs up and a thumbs down and only certain posts get indexed depending on how helpful they are. Um, They also make sure that they don't index posts that have no answers. So I think that's the direction I would want to be heading in for you. uh, But I don't envy you the task of of going through all this content and and deciding uh, what to do with it. Um I'm going to ask I'm going to answer one more question here and then we'll finish it up. Uh, hopefully this one won't be as long. Somebody asked, "We're starting a backlink audit that may take several weeks. Should we update our disavow file at the very end of the process or is it better to update it every week or so as we go along and find links that we definitely want to disavow?" So, um I don't think you need to be updating it that frequently unless you have a really serious problem with unnatural links. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about spammy links that you just collect, you know, spammy image sites and uh, scraper sites that link out to everybody. The sites where I would wanna do um, a very, very frequent disavow are ones where, let's say, you know, you worked with an SEO company for like three or four months And they went crazy building links for you that now you realize are unnatural links. They're links that go against Google's guides on link schemes. Um, and so uh, initially, you know, you do a link audit and you would disavow as many of those as you can find. But if some of those are on lower quality pages, it may take a while for them to filter into Search Console. You might find some of them if you're using Ahrefs, Majestic, Moz, uh, but it's going to take a while before all of them get into Search Console. So you may want to, um, you know, every, we, we usually do it every month. Uh, every month, take a look at the new Search Console links and determine whether or any of those SEO made links that were just built to improve your page rank um, are are appearing. Uh, We do, um, I remember I used to do this for a lot of manual actions. If I was really struggling to get a manual action off, then just before I filed for reconsideration, I would do another link audit for the most recent links um, and do those as well. So that when I file my uh, reconsideration request, um, it's not like Google's going to say, oh, well you said you're not building unnatural links and look at this link that we just found a week ago and it's unnatural. Um, I don't know how detailed they get, but I feel like that uh, could be important. So, um, you know, should you be updating your disavow file every week? I think that's a bit of a wasted resource unless you have a serious problem with unnatural links and they keep appearing, uh, you know, on a regular basis. So let's end it with that. Um, I do want to remind everyone that we are hiring. Uh, Our growth is incredible, which still amazes me. Uh, We have um, a bit of a waiting list still. Uh, Actually, we have a significant waiting list for a number of our uh, services. Um, And so our goal is to keep growing uh, fantastic SEO team so that we can um, eventually handle all of this work and uh, and we're getting there. So if you, it's not a remote position, you have to live in the Ottawa or Canada area um, and uh, if you are there, then mariehaines.com jobs will get you some information. We potentially have a couple of um, very large uh, link audits coming up where I think we're actually going to hire um, some extra staff for this and so if you're looking for you know, even some temporary work in our area, then, uh, you know, reach out to us, we might be able to, to take you on uh, and train you for link auditing, we may actually be making our next hires out of that pool of people. Um, when I first started doing massive link audits, uh, that was the first way I hired people. At one point, I had a whole bunch of people all around my kitchen table um, on my struggling Wi-Fi. Uh, and we just audited links one by one as a team. Um, and then as they got better, uh, I would just go around the circle and go, okay, which ones are you struggling with? And, and, uh, uh, it was interesting. So we may be going through that process again soon. Um, I'm going to be doing, you've probably noticed, or maybe you haven't noticed. This is me being very, uh, egotistical here. If you've noticed, I haven't been doing as many interviews and roundups. Uh, I'm taking a little bit of a break from that just as we're working on growing our business, uh, but I'll still be, uh, publishing newsletter and doing podcasts because this is absolutely amazing. And one of the things I'm going to start doing in my spare time is, uh, my husband just bought me a capture card for my xbox so stay tuned for some fortnite videos uh yeah i'll just leave it at that i'm i'm not bad now i'm getting better nine solo wins and last night my seven-year-old and i won a duo game which was fantastic so um, again if you're thinking of getting into fortnite this is the time to do it because they've really improved skill-based matchmaking and it's so much fun gonna end it there. This is a very, very long episode. Thank you for sticking with me. And uh, probably next week, Google will do fewer things. So uh, I can do a little bit more um, blabbing and giving my theories on stuff rather than just reporting the news. Um, But until then, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. So I wish you the best of luck with your rankings this week.